everybody. This is Julie, which Hefsabah talks a lot. I don't know what I was going to say originally, but this is <clears throat> a unique podcast because I literally wasted, I shouldn't say wasted, I used an hour and 20 minutes to record another podcast. Um, and then at the end, I was like, I believe the last 20 minutes of this podcast was actually the point, and I never finished. So I don't get excited and think that this podcast is only going to be 20 minutes. Because chances <coughs> are it will not be. Um, but anyway, this is me returning to my purpose. And ironically, it was quite, like I said, an interesting uh, start uh, for me to decide to go this route. But you know what? You deserve better than what uh, you were going to get. So here you are. If you're listening to this, I uh, hopefully, if I followed my intention, I have titled this uh, podcast Romans. So here's my disclaimer at the very start of this podcast. If you are not a Christian or you are a liberal Christian, this podcast is going to make you very angry. There's a reason for that. So I am warning you now that you will not like this podcast. Um, if you don't like sin being called sin and you don't like uh, dealing with things in your life that are sinful, <sighs> you're not going to like this podcast. Um, so I'm giving you some time to shut it off. If you keep listening, um, I really hope that in the end, you have a change of heart. Um, if you stay furious and livid throughout, <laughs> there's a reason. So here's the reason. We are all... Uh, okay, so... No, I'm not going to go there. Okay, we have a soul, a spirit, and our flesh. We don't see our soul or spirit. Um... So, uh, the Bible tells us that the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Your flesh wants to kill you. <laughs> um, if you don't bring it under the, the lordship of Jesus Christ, you're basically just, you know, it's, it, it hates you. Um, unless you're satisfying it, then it, it's okay with you. But your soul and your, your spirit, they're crying out um, to Christ. In fact, I don't remember what it is. Um, but there's a psalm. Psalm, P-S-A-O-M, in the Bible about that very thing. Okay, Psalm 23 is the, is the shepherd psalm, I'm pretty sure. The Lord is my shepherd. So I know it's not that one. Um... Maybe it's like 40-something. But anyway, there's a psalm. And if you know what it is, if you're a Christian or you're just somebody that happens to know, it's uh, as the deer pants for the water, which I'm thinking is in the 40s. Um, so I'm kind of heading that way. Um, ah, sweet, look at that, 42. I thought it was 43. I love when God is that good to me. <laughs> okay. So, I'm reading from Amplified, um, 
just because I like that version better. The message is amazing, but there's some things that he says that I'm like, that gets a bit lost in translation. Um, Psalm 42, thirsting for God in trouble and exile to the chief musician, a skillful song or a didactic or reflective poem of the sons of Korah. As the deer pants longingly for the water brooks, so my soul pants longingly for you, O God. My soul, my life, my inner self thirsts for God, for the living God. When will I come and see the face of God? So your soul and your spirit are crying out for God. And they're, they're just asking God to come and refresh them. And um, you are essentially letting them thirst. Um, you may not be aware you're letting them thirst, but you are. Um, maybe it was 63 I was thinking of too. Um, but moving on. Let's do this. Anyway, so your flesh is... Um, wants to be... Uh, in, your your flesh wants to be in control, and your your spirit and soul want to be where they belong, which is under the lordship and love and protection and grace of Jesus Christ. So anything that challenges your flesh pisses you off, and that makes you angry, and then you start throwing out words to call people names because they've had the audacity to stir up your soul and spirit against your flesh and um, just makes you angry. So if this podcast makes you angry, you now know why. It is not me. It is not anything that I am doing. It is the fact that your flesh wants what it wants and it doesn't want to be put under the subjection of Jesus Christ or God and one day your flesh will be destroyed but your soul and spirit will live on and that is what's going to face Christ at the great white throne judgment where if you have Christ your name is written in the Lamb's book of life and you have eternal life and if you don't have Christ you will go into hell where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth and eternal separation from God, which is a whole other topic, by the way, because you don't know what it feels like to be separated from God because you never have been. Even though we are sinfully separated from God, His very voice is what makes your heart beat. So you have no idea yet what it means to be cast away from God into eternal darkness. But those that don't have Jesus Christ will experience that. And God does not want that. And neither do I. I don't wish that on my worst enemy. And um, I don't have an enemy, per se, except for technology. Um, however, I don't wish hell on anyone. And I think anybody that does is a selfish individual. And yes, there is evil in this world. And there are people that are full-blown evil and will never accept Christ. Um, I do not wish hell on them. As which is that probably just makes you your skin crawl. I get it. I do not wish hell on anybody. Um, because it's... We have no concept of what that is. But anyway, 
I mean, we know what the Bible tells us, but I'm just saying we we have never experienced separation from God at that level. And I don't want anyone to have to. But people will because they rejected Christ. Which another side note, that's what blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is. People like try to give you all these different things. The unforgivable sin. The only reason it's unforgivable is repentance or I should say forgiveness is never sought. So if you never ask to be forgiven, how can you be forgiven? You can't. Therefore, unforgivable. So essentially, it's blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. is just ignoring Holy Spirit to the point of dying without Christ. And then you're not forgiven because you never asked to be forgiven. Therefore, it's an unforgivable sin. So there you go. So Psalm 63, um, Amplified Version, is another thing about thirsting soul. And the thirsting soul satisfied in God, a Psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. O God, you are my God. With deepest longing, I will seek you. My soul, my life, my very self, my very self, my soul, my life, my very self. That's what your soul is. This, your soul is your life. It's who you are. And your flesh is just getting in the way. Um, it thirsts for you. And then he says, my flesh longs and sighs for you. I think he means, I think it's supposed to be spirit. Um, I wonder what NIV says. I'm not a big fan of NIV. Um, no, it does say my body longs for you. Interesting. Okay, moving on. Your flesh is getting in the way regardless. <laughs> in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Um, so I have gazed upon you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. Because your loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise you. So will I bless you as long as I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. My soul, my life, my very self is satisfied as with marrow and fatness. And my mouth offers praises to you with joyful lips. When I remember you on my bed, I meditate and thoughtfully focus on you. In the night watches, for you have been my help. And in the shadow of your wings, where I am always protected, I sing for joy. My soul, my life, my very self clings to you. Your right hand upholds me, but those who seek my life to destroy it will be destroyed and go into the depths of the earth, into the underworld. They will be given over to the power of the sword. They will be a prey for foxes, but the king will rejoice in God. Everyone who swears by, by him, honoring the true God, acknowledging his authority and majesty, will glory. For the mouths of those who speak lies will be stopped. I remember a few years ago, I had liars, like, <laughs> straight out just spewing lies and God gave me that for the mouths of liars will be shut is what the version I had read that time and I just started speaking that over my life for the mouth of mouths of liars will be shut for the mouths of liars will be shut yeah um God's word is amazing he always has something to tell you um I'm gonna uh just briefly tell you guys I don't know everything surprise um I don't even pretend like I know everything um, what I do know is that God is real. God exists. Um, God loves you. Jesus, we just got through Christmas. It's December 27th. I, I just say got through. For me, it was got through. I had a horrible Christmas, but it's no reflection on Christ. Um, uh, we just, uh, came through Christmas. We just had Christmas. We just celebrated Christmas. There we go. Um, but uh, that is such a debatable topic. I, I can't stand it. Friends, celebrate Christmas. 
celebrate Christmas in December. I celebrate Christmas in July. I, I just, I don't care. It, it's a matter of the heart and you know, that's where our focus should be. But I digress because I'm good at that. Um, Jesus, <coughs> excuse me, I, I'm getting over a cold. Um, Jesus came to earth in the form of a baby boy born to a virgin named Mary. I know I'm saying it kind of cynical sounding. I'm just, we all know this. We know this, but we act like we don't. Um, uh, anyway, and uh, his stepfather, Joseph, and uh, Jesus lived a perfect life, never sinned once, no matter what the world wants to tell you. And he was not just a good teacher. He was an amazing man. And he is Jesus, King of kings and Lord of lords, and the Son of God. And he came to earth in order to save us from sin. Not to find out how difficult it was for us not to sin. Because Jesus already knew that. Jesus came because we needed a blood sacrifice to atone for our sin. So who put him on the cross? We did. And he died knowing that you would exist this very day. And that I would be sitting here making this podcast. And that you would listen to it. Because technology would exist that would allow us to do this. And he loves you that much. And there you go. So we're going to look at Romans. And the whole point of that was to tell you that, yes, you're going to get pissed off. And instead of getting mad at me, take some time to say, why did it piss me off? Because there's one thing that you need to realize. Who am I to you? If I don't literally matter in your world, and I don't. Because what my opinion is and what the truth is that I say today, you can just never listen to my podcast again. And your life will not be any less your life. Now, you may miss my witty, witty little ramblings. And you may miss some of the fun content if it ever exists in my podcast. But your life won't be any worse for wear. Um, so why does my opinion matter? So if you get pissed off when you listen to this, why does my opinion matter? It's because what I'm saying is true. And as long as you fight against the truth... You're going to get pissed off because that's just the way life is. So that's my little segue of, uh, I know you're going to get pissed off, so please don't kill the messenger. And that's probably where that came from. So we're going to start oddly in Romans 3, where I was going to start in Romans 1, but I just kind of feel like we need to talk about this first. Um, so it says, um, starting in verse 8, uh, no, I'm starting in verse nine am i in the right oh no i'm in romans one i'm like this is not right there we go <laughs> i was so confused i'm like this is not sounding at all like what i want to read okay so romans 3 verse 9 well then are we jews better off than they talking about the gentiles oh not yeah i believe yes not at all, for we have already charged that both Jews and Greeks, or Gentiles, are under the control of sin and subject to its power. Okay, so that's, that's verse 9. That's already a, a huge amount of information. So, um, basically, we have already been made the charge that Jews and Gentiles alike are all under sin. Uh, so, essentially, like, we're all sinners, me and you. Um, 
Nine times in four verses, Paul mentions the university of sin. Um, so that's a little note in the NIV study Bible I have in front of me. Um, that wasn't me. <laughs> As you could probably tell by the way I read it. All right, so <coughs> verse 10 says, As it is written, and forever main, remains written, there is none righteous, none that meets God's standard, not even one. There is none who understands, there is none who seeks for God. All have turned aside together, they have become useless. There is none who does good, no, not one. Okay, so the common catchphrase of the world is why do bad things happen to good people? Well, there is none who does good. <laughs> um, people may do good things. I mean, I, I know there are major people out there that do like life-altering, amazing things. Um, and, and yet God says here through Paul that no one does good. So when they say why do good things happen or bad things happen to good people, um, it's because we're all broken and we're all fallen and we're living on a cursed earth and there is no one who does good. Uh, their throat is an open grave. Um, they habitually deceive with their tongues. The venom of asps is beneath their lips. Their mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their paths and they have not known the path of peace. There is no fear of God and his awesome power before their eyes. That is the caveat right there. There is no fear of God before their eyes. They do not fear God. Awesome reverence for God, the source of all godliness. Um, so, you do not fear God. If you are not a Christian and you, or you are a liberal Christian, I hate to say that because liberal Christians are the worst, but if you, I don't mean like you're not saved if you're a liberal Christian, I'm not saying that. Um, I just say that you're the worst. <laughs> you like excusing so much sin is horrible in my brain. I mean, I don't, anyway, I can't remind my mind about it. Moving on. Um, but point in case. There is no fear of God before their eyes. You don't fear God. If you excuse sin or you refuse to uh, accept Jesus Christ, you don't fear God. That's just the truth. Um, so, there's that. Uh, what's the point? I am going to tell you what the point is. <laughs> So basically, I've been facing some situations in my life, and I've been thinking about some stuff, and I've realized a lot of things. But one thing I know for a fact is that I am not a good person. And like I just said up there, no one is good. Um, I have known forever that uh, I'm not a good person. And so for someone to tell me I'm not a good person is not a big surprise. It'd probably make me angry because it's true, right? Um, and it would definitely hurt my feelings. However, I would sit there and go, they're absolutely right. I am not a good person. Um, so we're going to look at Romans one. <coughs> um, so he's writing to Rome and he's, he would really like to go see them in Rome, but he is not able to. 
And so he starts to deal with the Roman sin of that time period. And there was a lot of bad stuff going on. Um, so so his, it says here that in the introduction that the uh, primary theme is a basic gospel, God's plan for salvation. Um, so he wrote to prepare the way to visit them and to promote a basic, sorry about my phone vibrating, um, premise of salvation and to explain the relationship between Jews and Gentiles because it was really hard for them to come together. Um, but there's so many things. Okay, so like in, in the Corinthians, in First and Second Corinthians, this is directed at liberal Christians right here. Once again, I digress, but I'm going to digress with purpose. So we look at 1 Corinthians, and um, I'm going to have to flip there in this book because I could go through it for this thingamajiggy. But Paul is, is talking about the Corinth, talking to the Corinthians. He writes to Corinthians, and he's telling them about their sinful, liberal lifestyles. Um, so he is basically confronting them on how they excuse sin. Um, and what's going to be really interesting. Okay, so the, the interesting thing about sin is that it doesn't just happen suddenly. It's, it starts to very slowly um, eat its way into your life. You start, like, excusing little things. So consider, if you will, how um, things become acceptable in our world and how they slowly begin to um, overtake their life. I'm sorry, I'm trying to like find this thing while I'm talking to you. Um, so like you got to look at a lot of the acceptable sins now. So one that I will talk to you about Briefly while I'm looking. Um, I might have to search online. Uh, anyway. I know it's in 1 Corinthians. I just... Oh, I'm in 2 Corinthians. That would explain it. That would explain it. Um, anyway, moving on. Or as I talk. So, um... I'm sorry. 1 Corinthians is a big book. Uh... Okay, so I attended, I was attending a church, my mom and I. I still, I still love this. I still love what, what happened, this. So my mom and I were attending this church, and uh, they were talking about how, like, they didn't understand how, um, why people were, like, so up in arms if, like, a homosexual wanted to continue attending church. And my, my thing is that they should definitely be welcome in church. Um, they should definitely be allowed to attend church. Uh, they should not be cast out they should not be left feeling uh awkward or unwelcome or unloved um however they should not be allowed to lead a ministry um they shouldn't be in a place in a position of power and and you're gonna sit there and go oh my gosh you are such a bigot or you're gonna call me other names um and that's fine. Call me whatever you want. Um, 
the reason I say that is because this person was telling us that, that like they should not be cast out of church. And while we agree with that, I definitely agree they should not be cast out of church. Their sin should not be accepted. Now, here's the thing, angry pants. Um, Christian, okay, the Bible specifically tells us this, that homosexuality is a sin. So, in the Christian circle, should they be in a place of leadership? No. Okay, they just shouldn't. Now we all have sin. Didn't I just read that? Yes, we're all sinners under the glory of God. The difference is that while I'm a sinner, am I blatantly continuing to sin and not caring that I'm sinning? Or am I repentant of sin and trying to live like Christ? That's the point. So 1 Corinthians 7, no, not 7, 6, talks about sexual morality. This isn't the part I wanted to read, <laughs> but I'll find the other part. It says um, in verse 12, Everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. So, while it's legal for you to do what you want to do in the world, it is not necessarily good for you. So consider fornication. Which was kind of the point. Um, while it is okay for you to fornicate, according to the world, it is not beneficial for you to fornicate. So, there's that. Um, I, if I wanted to do a purity blog, I'd do a purity blog. I can't focus on that for this. Um, but here's the thing. We want to excuse every little thing we do because we want to do it. So we just want to make everything okay. So we do. We legalize things like abortion. And we say, well, it's legal now. But we all know that abortion is destructive. It is destructive to the woman, even though people don't want to admit that. And it is destructive to relationships. And it kills a living child. And so, there you go. Um, there it is. It's chapter 5. It was the one before the chapter about sexual immorality. Which would explain, like, you know, why Paul got motivated to talk about sexual immorality. Um, but... It says here that while everything is permissible, not everything is beneficial. And while everything is permissible, I will not be mastered by anything. So, it is very easy for us to fall into sin and be mastered by that sin. But anyway, the point about the, the whole reason I even mentioned homosexuality already um, was... So, they had told us that, that they shouldn't be kicked out of church, which I just told you I, I agree. Uh, but they were essentially saying it to the extent like they should just be accepted and and not be called to repentance guys i'm sorry that's not what the church is about that's why liberal christians irk my soul because it's not about just accepting everybody as it you know you're accepted as you are in order to change so god doesn't want to leave you as you are he wants you to be set free from lust or anger or um fear you know whatever um so here it is now this, I was just talking about how, like, how do things become okay? If I were to tell you that a uh, brother and sister are sleeping together, 
that would really bother you, yeah? Um, homosexuality many years ago was considered a mental illness before it became acceptable. And then they removed it from the mental illness book. Um, and now they have ADHD in there, which... Uh, you Okay, there's a blog. I'll have to put the link because... Um, People get really pissed off when I say that I, I, I don't believe ADHD and ADD are things. Um, they're definitely not mental illnesses, and they definitely shouldn't be called that. And any kind of medication you take, any kind of pill that alters brain chemistry is going to make you calm down, is going to make you focus, and it's just the way it goes. My brain is all over the place. That's why these podcasts go everywhere. Um, I, I believe in the hyperactivity disorder per se, I'd have to do a little more research on that, but ADHD, even the guy that, even the scientist that named it said, oh yeah, it's not real, but nobody wants to hear that because they like to claim it. You know, people like to claim mental illness. That's like America's new catchphrase. I have this mental illness and some people really legitimately have things like bipolar disorder and it's like a legitimate bipolar disorder. Whereas other people just say, I, I'm bipolar. No, you're not. You just don't want to own up to your actions. Yeah, guys, truth hurts. If you're pissed off, truth hurts. Sorry. It is, okay, so this is verse one, chapter 5. If you're still listening, kudos. Um, chapter 5. I don't know if I'm supposed to be pissing people off with this podcast. This is my second attempt, and I'm kind of sitting here like, okay, God, am I doing this wrong? I might be doing this wrong. Um, but I am a flawed human being. So, And you can turn this off. <laughs> Nobody's making you listen. So if you're still listening, you have no one to blame but yourself. Because I'm just talking to myself right now. Um, okay, so ver chapter 5 of 1 Corinthians says, It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and of a kind that does not occur even among pagans. Okay, by the way, when I said a brother and sister, that was just to give you an idea. That's not what this is about. So, you know, it's actually about a man has his father's wife. Yowzers. Um, so that's chapter five, verse one. Um, so the Roman orator Cicero states that incest was practically unheard of in the Roman society, which is ironic because there was some other sins that were running rampant. And uh, this expression about his father's wife was used rather than his mother. And it suggests that the woman was his stepmother. Okay. Um, so it's not his actual mom. So it's not actual incest. And we kind of have always known that because, like they said, it's your, his father's wife. But still, consider, think about if your friend was just suddenly, like, told you, I fell in love with my stepmother and we're together, we're having sex. And you'd be like, what the crap is, that's disgusting. But until, like, Hollywood starts spinning it as a love story where you get sold on it hook long and sinker and then you never question it again and incest is okay and you can marry your stepmother if you want to that's how it happens people hollywood is okay and i enjoy movies and i'm all about movies people know that i watch movies all the time and shows and i'll talk about it but hollywood is evil <laughs> it just straight up is evil if you are not careful it will totally sear your conscience and you will not have an idea what's good and what's bad and you'll do whatever you want and destroy your life. All right. 
So not only does this man have his father's wife, but it says, and you are proud, liberal Christians. We accept everybody. You don't have to do nothing. You can continue living in sin. You can continue having that affair. You can continue beating your wife. You can continue being an adulterer. You can continue being a fornicator. But you know where they'll draw the line? Child molestation. And rightly you should. I'm not saying that like to accept it. But at least that is not allowed. Um, but like that's the thing. So getting back to that point. So when they were they were saying that like about, you know, we shouldn't be judgy about people's sin, whatever. And, uh, and then my mom said, well, what if a unrepentant pedophile was coming to church? Now, once again, I am not in any stretch of the imagination, nor was my mom comparing homosexuality to pedophilia. Okay. It's just one of those things that there's certain things that are still not even remotely close to being acceptable. And pedophilia is one of them. Although granted, when you have like Hugh Hefner with like a 1920-something-year-old woman, that's like straight up disturbingly disgusting, you know, but people think that's great. Not everybody. Most of us have realized how disgusting that was, but point in case. But the one thing is, is pedophilia is just disgusting and people will acknowledge that. And so that's why she used that example. That's why most times we use that example, okay? It has nothing, it's not saying anything about, it, there's not a connection. It's just that we know that that's the one thing that people can look at and not excuse yet. All right, so that's why we use it. Um, so she's, she basically said, so what if like an uh, unrepentant pedophile wants to come in church and and uh, sit next to your daughter in church service and lead and be put in charge of the children's church ministry. Eh, puts it into perspective, doesn't it? But see, you guys don't believe, because you're not a Christian, or you're a liberal Christian, that homosexuality is a sin. So while you can be disgusted with pedophilia, um, you don't feel that the other thing is, um, you know, but she was talking to Christians, so it worked. It may not work for you, but it worked. Um, once again, I don't believe that any sinner should be treated like dirt if they're in church and they're, they're doing their best. I don't even think if they're in church and they're unrepentant, they should be treated horribly. I will say, and this right here helps me say it, if they refuse to stop, let's say that they've been in church for like six months a year and they just don't even care that they're sinning uh you do what paul told them to do in corinthians here we go so um they're proud of it well the liberal christian is proud of it we don't we accept everybody it doesn't matter do what you want um so he says shouldn't you have rather been filled with grief and have put out of your fellowship the man who did this even though I am not physically present, I am with you in spirit and I have already passed judgment. I have already passed judgment. Oh, Christians aren't supposed to judge. And I've already passed judgment on the one who did this. Just as if I were present, when you are assembled in the name of our Lord Jesus and I am with you in spirit and the power of our Lord Jesus is present, hand this man over to Satan so that 
the sinful nature may be destroyed and his spirit saved in the day of the Lord. And I was actually reading NIV. I forgot that I was going to read this in Amplified. So let's see where the Amplified is. Um, 1 Corinthians 5. It is actually reported everywhere <laughs> that there is sexual immorality among you, a kind of immorality that is condemned even among the unbelieving Gentiles, that someone has an intimate relationship with his father's wife, and you are proud and arrogant. Oh my goodness, if that sentence does not describe liberal Christians, oh my gosh, you are proud and arrogant. Of course, let me just say this one thing. You can go the other extreme too and be a total jerkweed of a Christian, which are like the, you know, Westboro people that stand on street corners like idiots and yell the things they should not be yelling. Okay, you don't say that what they say. I'm not even going to say it. And, and this is coming from me, who's very opinionated. You never do what they do. That is evil in and of itself. So you can go to extremes. You can be so liberal that you're evil, or you can be so darn religious that you're evil. Just saying. You can go both ways, but both of them are detrimental and evil, <laughs> for lack of a better word. I can't find another word for it. All right, um... But yeah, that defines liberal Christianity right there. And you are proud and arrogant. That is liberal Christianity to a T. You should have mourned in shame so that the man who has done this disgraceful thing would be removed from your fellowship. For I, though absent from you in body but present in spirit, have already passed judgment on him who has committed this act as if I were present. In the name of our Lord Jesus, when you are assembled, and I am with you in spirit, with the power of our Lord Jesus, you are to hand over this man to Satan for the destruction of his body so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Your boasting over the supposed spirituality of your church is not good. Indeed, it is vulgar and inappropriate. Do you not know that just a little leaven ferments the whole batch of dough just as a little sin corrupts a person or an entire church? Clean out the old leaven so that you may be a new batch just as you are still unleavened. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us celebrate the feast, not with old leaven, nor with leaven of vice and malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and untainted truth. Untainted truth. I wrote you in my previous letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, not meaning the immoral people of this world or the greedy ones or sw and swindlers, or idolaters, for then you would have to get out of the world and human society altogether. But actually I have written to you not to associate with any so-called Christian brother if he is sexually immoral or greedy or is an idolater, devoted to anything that takes the place of God, or is a reviler who insults or slanders or otherwise verbally abuses others, or is a drunkard or a swindler, you must not so much as eat with such a person. For what business is it of mine to judge outsiders, non-believers? Do you not judge those who are within the church to protect the church as the situation requires? God alone sits in judgment on those who are outside the faith. Remove the wicked one from among you. Expel him from your church. All right. So, <coughs> as I said, I am talking to non-believers and liberal Christians right now. Non-believers, you don't, 
I'm not going to say you don't feel judgment because you do. That's why you get upset. Uh, you feel Holy Spirit tugging on your spirit and soul to call you to repentance. And it pisses you off. And then you tell us that we're judgy. And, um, and then you get really upset. And you call us names. And then laws are passed that prevent us from preaching, speaking the truth. <laughs> and there you go. Um, but at the same time, liberal Christians are usually the ones that like to throw the term hypocrite around. And they like to, which out, without even really understanding what a hypocrite is. Um, but that's for another time. And they like to um, make sure people are aware that we shouldn't be judging. Um, they, they base that off of scriptures where it says, where do you feel that you have the right to judge another Christian or another person? There's an, ex there's a, a difference. Okay. So God is the judge, which means that God will ultimately tell a person if they're going to go to heaven or go to hell. I do not have the power to do that with anybody at all. However, I can speak the truth. And if I am in church leadership, I have the authority and I have the responsibility to remove the dangerous leaven from um, the church. So that's what Paul is telling them to do here, is he's telling them to kick the dude out because they were sitting there in their little happy liberal Christian life. The Bible tells us nothing is new under the sun, folks. So you think because your church is this all-accepting church that allows sin, that you're like some progressive thing? No, you're not. Um, because obviously Corinthians were doing that way before you were. Um, all right. So after, like I just said, okay, remember how I just told you that you can go completely liberal and that's evil and detrimental. And you can also go completely legalistic and that's evil and detrimental. Well, the Corinthians love to cover that sphere for us. So in 2 Corinthians, we have uh, 2 Corinthians 2, starting in verse 5. We have an interesting moment that Paul has to address. Okay, so remember he had to deal with the liberal Christian. He had to deal with them um, allowing sin to run rampant in their church. Now he has to deal with the legalistic Christian. How quickly we flip-flop. It's a very fine line, friends. you gotta, you got to have the grace of God and his wisdom, or you cannot succeed in any of these ways. So, but if someone has caused all this sorrow, he has caused it not to me, but in some degree, not to put it too severely, he has distressed and grieved all of you. For such a one, this punishment by the majority is sufficient. Um... Yeah, I don't know. I'm not going to try to preface this because I'm running out of time. But anyway, just read read Second Corinthians chapter 1 and 2, and then you'll know what's happening. <laughs> um, so instead of further rebuke, now you should rather graciously forgive and comfort and encourage him to keep him from being overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. Therefore, I urge you to reinstate him in your infections and reaffirm your love for him. For this was my purpose in writing, to see if you would stand the test whether you are obedient and committed to following my instructions in all things. If you forgive anyone anything, I too forgive that one. And that I have forgiven, I have forgiven, if I have forgiven anything, has been for your sake. 
in the presence of and with the approval of Christ to keep Satan from taking advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his schemes, although many of us are. Um, all right, so he talks about that, but there's a part where he specifically says, because there's that, but then he goes on to say where he returns to the issue of um, darn I'm sorry folks it has been a long time since I've been um, usually I organize my, my studies a little better this is kind of a brief um This just kind of happened. So, I want to call it a freebie, but it's not a freebie. Um, darn it, where does he tell them? Well, anyway, there's a part in Second Corinthians, because I'm running out of time, that um, Paul has to tell them to let the guy back in. And I thought it was that one. But... Let's see what it says here. Thanksgiving, forgiving the offender, God's direction, seeing the glory, ministry of reconciliation, generosity, Paul's defense, Paul forced into final warnings. Hmm. My thought would be forgiving the offender or... Uh, Generosity encouraged. Can't be right. Hmm. All right, give me just a second. Let's just do this the easy way. That is to say, I'm going to look it up. Um, Paul, uh, Corinthians. Sorry, guys, to be doing this while you're listening, but maybe this is a moment just to think about... Um, Allow brother back. You can just type in pretty much anything and you should get it. All right. First, the offending brother. Paul is focusing on the positive here, not dwelling on the offending brother did. Whatever the offending brother did. Restore the brother. Oh, chapter 2, 4 through 16. But that's what I read. Or maybe not. My life. Um, nope. Anyone has caused you grief? Eh, that's weird. That's not the one we're looking at. We're looking for the one. Uh, Elita snobbery. That's interesting. Anyway. Somewhere in 2 Corinthians, Paul has to deal with the legalistic side. And I'm not going to take any more time trying to find it. But he has to he has to tell them that, okay, the guy has learned his lesson. He has stopped sleeping with his stepmother. He has repented. And now you're refusing to let him back in the church. Knock it off and let him back in the church. So, like I said, um, you go one, one way or the other. You're either going to be so 
liberal that you excuse sin and think you're doing God's will by excusing sin. Or you're going to be so legalistic that you're going to beat the crap out of people and destroy them um, that way. Anyway, we destroy people all the time. So, what's the point of this? I was going to read Romans 1 and I was going to deal with a whole lot of things. But we're looking at, it's already 45 minutes into this podcast. Um, and I've, I've just got to wrap this up. Because otherwise, I'm just, I could be here all day. The point, in fact, is that Jesus Christ loves you. I guess what we should say is that uh, Jesus Christ exists. Um, as I said, we just, Christmas just ended. It's almost 2020. <laughs> New decade. I just, I didn't even realize that until I read it today. Um, crazy stuff. But anyway, Jesus loves you very much. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, and whosoever believes in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. And it goes on to say in 3.17 that God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but so that they could be saved. Um, and actually, let me pop that open here. Nope, that is not what I was looking for. This is what I was looking for. Um, so John 3. And we'll look at it in the Amplified. For God so greatly loved and dearly prized you. The Amplified doesn't say you, but I'm saying that. For God so greatly loved and dearly prized you that he even gave his one and only begotten son. So that when you believe and trust in him as Savior, you will not perish but you will have everlasting life. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge and condemn you, that is, to initiate the final judgment of the world, but that you might be saved through him. That's John three sixteen and 17 in the Amplified, with me changing world and whosoever and whatnot to you, because that is what... It is essentially telling us God so loved you that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, who laid down his life so that you could be saved. So what are you waiting for? Mostly people are waiting for nothing. <laughs> they have become so complacent and so stuck in their lives, believing that God doesn't exist because it's convenient to believe that God doesn't exist. So we do need to look at Romans 1 really quick. I forgot. There's a point. Um, more than just what I thought there was. All right. So we find in Romans 1 that all have sinned. Everybody's a sinner, myself and you. Even as a Christian, I am not any less of a sinner than you. There's a saying that goes out there that says, um, a fish swims because it's a fish, and a bird flies because it's a bird, and a sinner sins because they're a sinner, and a Christian sins because they want to. 
And the reason that they say that is because we have the ability to say no to sin because we, as Christians, have the power of Christ in us. So when we sin, it's because we choose to sin. So in Romans 1, starting in verse 18, it says, For God does not overlook sin, and the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who in their wickedness suppress and stifle the truth, because that which is known about God is evident within them in their inner consciousness, for God has made it evident to them. For ever since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through his workmanship, all his creation, the wonderful things that he has made, so that they who fail to believe and trust in him are without excuse and without defense. For even though they knew God as creator, they did not honor him as God or give thanks for his wondrous creation. On the contrary, they became worthless in their thinking, godless with pointless reasonings and silly speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory and majesty and excellence of the immortal God for an image, worthless idols in the shape of mortal man and birds and four-footed animals and reptiles. And therefore God gave them over in the lusts of their own hearts to sexual impurity, so that their bodies would be dishonored among them, abandoning them to the degrading power of sin, because by choice they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason God gave them over to degrading and vile passions, for their women exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural, a function contrary to nature. And in the same way, also, the men turned away from the natural function of the women and were consumed with their desire toward one another, men with men committing shameful acts, and in return receiving in their own bodies the inevitable and appropriate penalty for their wrongdoing. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God or consider him worth knowing as their creator, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do things which are improper and repulsive until they were filled, permeated, saturated with every kind of unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice, and mean-spiritedness. They are gossips, spreading rumors, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of new forms of evil, disobedient, and disrespectful to parents, without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful, without pity. Although they know God's righteous decree and his judgment, that those who do such things deserve death, yet they not only do them, but they even enthusiastically approve and tolerate others who practice them. Romans 1 is one of the most powerful parts of the New Testament, aside from the Gospels of Jesus Christ. Um, the book of Romans is just, it's one of my favorites. But as you see there, you are without excuse. You have been told, you have been shown, you have no excuse. That is why every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. When you stand before him on that day, you will say it. It's better to say it now, because now, you choose him, and in so doing, you have eternal life. On that day, when every knee will bow, 
Those that did not choose Christ will go into eternal darkness, be cast away from God forever. None of us have ever experienced true separation from God. We have had the sin separation, the spiritual death. But his voice is what our heart beats to. Every timber, every atom in our body is vibrating to his voice. We exist because he says we exist. We live because he says we live. Our heart stops beating because he says no more. So we have no concept of what it is like to be eternally separated from God, to actually not feel the presence of our creator. Like Romans 1 says, it tells us that the world testifies that God exists. You cannot look at this world and literally believe that it happened by accident. The earth is just the perfect distance from the sun. Any closer and it would have burned up and any further away and it would be freezing. That doesn't just happen. To have an atmosphere the way that we do, that doesn't just happen. To have this amazing, amazing, diverse creation of animals and plant life and people to come from two planets exploding together to create a big bang and then some little random cell just one day climbing out of the primordial ooze and slowly 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 turning into a monkey if you want to believe you came from a monkey feel free but we all know the truth we do the only reason we reject the truth of God is because we want to do what we want to do and we don't want to have to change. Now some will tell you, no, it's because I can't, I can't prove he exists. And so I just, I can't believe in him. Or, oh, a Christian really hurt me. Dude, we're, we're human beings. We're going to hurt you. It's not, I'm not saying it's okay because it's definitely not okay. But we're not perfect. We are works in progress, just like you. We're sinners, just like you. The only difference is we're under grace. So when we totally face plant, we can just say, God, whoa, I face planted today. I need you to help me. I need you to bring me back. But Romans 1 tells us point blank that we know that we know that we know God exists. But because we want what we want, what we want, we deny him. And unfortunately, many deny him to the grave. The Bible tells us there is one unforgivable sin. And that sin is blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And people always try to like romanticize or explain what blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is. But I'm going to tell you this. If God wanted to give you a sin that you could just do, and then like never be able to be saved. He wouldn't have said that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. He wouldn't put it in the Bible. Like here's a way for you to like screw yourself over in a moment of anger or hurt or rage or stupidity. Here's how you can totally screw yourself over so you can never be saved. Why would God do that? He's a loving God. He wants none to perish. The Bible said Jesus wants, God wanted none to perish. That's why he sent his son. That's what Christmas is about. And we're not going to get into the debate about semantics because that's stupid. The point is, 
Jesus did come to die and give his life for us. For you. <laughs> but the unforgivable sin is actually the fact that one just denies Christ all the way till their grave. So the reason it's unforgivable is that you never repent. If you don't ask forgiveness, you can't be forgiven, right? And the answer to that is yes, right? In the re respect of Christ. I mean, like if someone does something horrible and they never come to me and ask forgiveness, I can forgive them and move on. But in regards to like our personal sin against God, and as I said, all of us are sinners. None of us are righteous. We need to repent. And if we don't, then you can't be forgiven. So, it's up to you what you want to do. You can continue. You can continue living a pointless life. I like to ask people if they know people. So, like, I know it sounds weird. You're like, what? Um, so I had some teenagers and I'm like, friends, who, do you know who, I say friends now because Disney English has ruined me. Um, do you know, uh, who Bob Hope is? And all the girls just stared at me like, what? I'm like, exactly. <laughs> it's, Bob Hope was, was an amazing person. I am a huge Bob Hope fan. I love his movies. I, I, I am an amazing, amazing, he's an amazing person, but eventually with very few exception, people aren't going to know who he is. Same thing with Michael Jackson. I'm a, I love Michael Jackson's music, but eventually, music's a little different than movies, but eventually, people will be like, who? I mean, he's still fairly um, recent, so that's not going to happen. But uh, Patsy Cline, who? Um, John Denver, who? I'm trying to think of people like way back in the day that died tragically uh richie valence valley valence richie valence um frankie valence i don't know now his name left me but i'm thinking of the labumba guy but i can't think of his name but they died in that plane crash and like do people even know do people even know what labamba is do they even know that song things that we do on this earth are fleeting this is temporary it's temporal but there's one thing that's eternal, and that is accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, or rejecting Jesus Christ and blaming it on everybody else when it's actually just you choosing to live a life of sin and rebellion because you want to. Now, Christians have the power to turn away from sin because God gives us that power. Sinners do not. So I'm not saying like you're choosing to be bound in sin because you already are. You're already tied up and you're bound in it. And the only thing that can set you free is to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And then you could, as a Christian, choose to stay bound, which we shouldn't do, obviously. God wants us to have a better life. The Bible is summed up quite simply in John 3.16. For God so loved the world. For God so loved us. 
He gave his son. No one took him. Jesus gave his life. No one took it. That whosoever, you, me, the guy down the street, the person you can't stand, accepts him, they will have eternal life. Whoever believes and has trusted, has decided to trust in him as personal Savior and Lord is not judged. For this one, there is no judgment, no rejection, no condemnation. But the one who does not believe and has decided to reject him as personal Savior and Lord is judged already. That one has been convicted and sentenced because he has not believed and trusted in the name of the one and only begotten Son of God, the only one who is truly unique, the only one of his kind, the one who alone can save him. This is the judgment that is the cause for indictment, the test by which people are judged, the basis for the sentence. The light, or Jesus, has come into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than the light, for their deeds were evil. For every wrongdoer hates the light, and does not come to the light, but shrinks from it for fear that his sinful, worthless activities will be exposed and condemned. But whoever practices truth and does what is right, morally, ethically, spiritually, comes to the light so that his works may be plainly shown to be what they are, accomplished in God, divinely prompted, done with God's help, in dependence on him. You have a choice, and honestly, it's all your choice. The world is all big on choice. The right to choose. The most hateful phrase in the English language. Okay, maybe not. Because there's some things you can say that are really hateful. That was just me being me. Abortion is evil. It, it just is. It started out as controlling the population, and getting rid of undesirables, including blacks. The main focus were blacks, those with low IQ, and the disabled. And now it's a billion-dollar industry, murdering babies by the billions, because it's accepted now. But I digress. That's for another time. Take from that what you will. <laughs> if you've had an abortion, I always have to say this. If you've had an abortion, I passionately oppose abortion. However, you are very much loved. And I cannot imagine how it felt to make that choice. And I just pray that you will be able to come to Christ and be healed and be able to forgive yourself and forgive anyone else involved. Because as much as we want to lie that it was the best choice we made, we know the truth. So, if you had an abortion... I am so sorry that you had to go through that. And I am extremely sorry that it's legal 
and so accessible. And I banish the lie that people say where women will die in back alley abortions. No, they won't. Some may make that decision, but it's not going to be this huge pile of dead bodies. And really, with the technology we have today, they can get successful back alley abortions. And I know that sounds really hateful. I'm just sick of all the pandering and the dancing around the issue because we don't want to offend somebody. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how we can sit here and be like, don't you care? Don't you care about the woman's life? She's the one making the choice to do it. So, you know, she made the choice to abort the child. Yes, I care. I'm just not going to dance around and act like abortion's okay. However, as I said, if you have faced that choice and you have made that decision and you have ended that life, I sincerely pray for you to find peace and to find Christ. And if you've already found Christ and you're carrying that burden, remember what I just read. There is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. It's a very, very difficult issue to talk about. And I definitely don't have time to do it now. And I don't even know why I broached it. It's because I was talking about choice. But I'm just saying. Um, I just want you to know that if you have had an abortion, that you are loved. And I hold no condemnation against you. I do not hate you. I am not disgusted with you. I do firmly believe it is murder. And I am against it. But I dearly love you as a person that Christ loves. Because I obviously don't know you. <laughs> so you're like, what are you even saying? You don't love me. But I know that Christ loves you. And I, like I said, cannot even begin to fathom what made it that that was your choice. And the pain that you carry from it. I can't even pretend. And I pray that you will find someone that can help you through all of the stuff you have to go through. And if you're okay with abortion, then me saying that it's murder and being bothered with it shouldn't bother you at all. If you were not harmed at all by your action, then what I said shouldn't bother you, right? So if it bothers you, there you go. Um, I just, our pride is a funny thing. Moving on. <laughs> My point was, we love the right to choose until it comes to this. But it is your choice. You are officially choosing. If you turn this podcast off and just go about your life with no change, you have officially chosen at this moment. I'm not saying forever, but you've officially chosen at this moment to reject Christ and continue to do so. If you listen to this and you accept him, You've officially chosen to uh, give your life to Christ. And like the old knight says in Indiana Jones um, and the Holy Grail. That's not what it's called. What is it called? The one with um, Sean Connery. I don't remember the name of it. But if you're a fan, you will. Um, like I said, I like, I like movies, even though Hollywood's evil. Um, but the knight says, you have chosen wisely. So if you've chosen... If you said, if anything I said today, if 
finally got through and all the little seeds planted by other believers along the way have been watered enough that you've decided to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. As the knight says in, it's the Last Crusade, that's what it is. Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. It was just bothering me. Okay. Um, like he says to Indiana, you have chosen wisely. Um, I'm going to go ahead and pray the sinner's prayer. So if you're not interested, you can turn it off now. I don't know if I'll say anything after it, but probably not, because this is already going to be an hour and 15 minutes, and that's really long. So we're just going to probably sinner's prayer it and then wrap up. So there you go. Lord Jesus. Oh, I'm sorry. I should probably preface it. You should. I'm <laughs> really bad. Um, you should uh, repeat after me. There we go. That's the words I'm looking for. It's like two in the morning. It's not that late. It just feels like it. Okay. So repeat after me. If you've accept, if you want to accept Jesus Christ in your heart, you could just simply say, Jesus, come into my heart. And that's, if you legitimately mean it, that's enough. Like you don't need this big fancy prayer. Uh, but a lot of people like this in our prayer. So I'm just going to do it real quick. It's very short. If I would stop rambling. All right, here we go. Just repeat after me. <laughs> Lord Jesus, I acknowledge that I am a sinner and that I need your grace and your salvation. I am ready now to accept you as my Lord and Savior. Lord Jesus, come into my heart, come into my life, inspire me to be like you. Holy Spirit, empower me to be like Christ. Lord Jesus, from this day forward, may I walk with you. May I live for you. And may I love through you so that I can be your light in this dark world. Thank you for dying for me. And thank you for pursuing me. In your holy and precious name, Lord Jesus, I ask this. Amen. So, like I said, you can just simply say, Jesus, come into my heart. Or Jesus, I accept you now. Or Jesus, forgive me. I mean, this is very simple to accept him. The real challenge comes in living for him. Because now you have to change. But that'll come later. Enjoy your new life. It's part of the family of God. And if you're a liberal Christian, just take some time to kind of evaluate your belief system a little bit. We like to excuse so many things in our life because it's easier to do that than to face it and change and confront things because we hate for people to say we're hypocritical, which by the way, let me briefly say, you're only a hypocrite if you're doing the sin you're judging them on. And I use the term judging it once again. You're allowed to confront sin. If you weren't allowed to, there'd be no purpose for our pastor, right? So we should be allowed to say, uh, fornication is a sin, my friend. You should not be living with your boyfriend and having sex with him and calling yourself a Christian. It says flee sexual immorality. The Bible even says not even a hint of sexual immorality. So you put a coin in me and I just keep going. <laughs> but here's the point. Um, 
it's time to get back to, for me, the focus. And um, there's a song that says Heart of Worship, and it says, I'm coming back to the heart of worship, and it's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry for what I've made it, but it's all about you. And I think that's my life. I need to come back to the purpose of my life. And it's all about him. And it's all about glorifying him and doing his will and living for him every day. Romans 12, which is my favorite chapter of the Bible, uh, talks about being a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to the Lord, presenting our bodies every day as a living sacrifice so that we could know what God wants that which is acceptable. And in so doing, we will not be overcome with evil, and we will overcome evil with good. <laughs> Romans 12 is amazing. But God bless you, and look forward to more of these in the future, although more organized and less snarky, hopefully. Um, I'm planning to start doing Bible studies and whatnot, so, um, like, on my own. Um, and so, uh, hopefully my, my podcast will start having more relevant content and uh every once in a while an entertainment content which was kind of my point when I started this and I ended up uh being more random than focused so I'm hoping to focus um but God bless you and enjoy 2020 because here it comes Hello everybody, it's Julie with Hefzibah Talks A Lot. I'm just going to take one second, okay, maybe a little longer, to talk to you about writing.com. Now, I'm not doing this for any money or anything. I'm just letting you know about a great supportive community that I think it would be great for you to join. Writing.com has been around for a long time. They actually started out as stories.com and I stumbled on them when I was a lot younger and joined and eventually they got too big for that domain and became writing.com in order to encompass more than just storytelling. This website is amazing. It is a community of writers and readers. So if you're not a writer but you love to read, join writing.com. If you don't really read a lot because you're so busy but you love to write, join writing.com. If you're a little bit of both, joinwriting.com. It's an amazing community. Now you can get a free account and then they have paid memberships. I currently just do the second tier, the upgraded membership, and it allows me to have more items in my portfolio. I love to pay to have a membership because I love to support writing.com. That's the main reason that I pay to keep my membership updated and current. But I just wanted to have an advertisement about writing.com. Once again, not for any monetary gain. It's not even an official one. Uh, They won't even know I'm doing it. But I just want to encourage people to go and join writing.com. It is truly a place that has helped me develop as a writer. It has helped me be encouraged. And I have met people there that have been my friends through the distance online and have supported me and offered me advice with my writing and has been have been there with me or for me as I've made these transitions to China and other locations. So once again, 
writing.com, W-R-I-T-I-N-G.com. Join today.